Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Kiseki Cast, where we are going to talk about Cold Steel 3 and what we think of it so far. I'm Tyler, and I'm here with Josh again. Hey. We haven't finished the game yet, but we're at just about the same spot, so anyone that's listening, uh, if you've played up through the end of Chapter 3, that's as far as we're going to talk about in the game, so if you've played that far, there won't be any more spoilers for you. My first question to you, though, is what do you think of the new... Uh, combat control style. Oh, I really like how they streamlined it. They kind of took a took a page out of Persona 5, which was very, you know, well, it, it, is, it isn't as stylish as Persona 5, but single button presses really saves you a lot of time than just going through a wheel. Yeah, I, I kind of got used to the wheel, and I kind of liked it. Um, so it was a little bit weird for me the first time I played the demo, but I got uh-huh. used to it pretty fast and in fact the only time that i ever do anything by accident is uh once in a while i'll i'll select the movement option and then oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and, and um, when you want to move your character it's like you know it's kind of weird yeah it, it's really weird because uh, like you might i don't know i've selected it and then gone nowhere because i was uh-huh. trying to like back out and select something else but that's pretty much it, and it's faster than that for everything else. It's nice that you don't have to cycle through the wheel, too, because a lot of times if you wanted something on the opposite side, it just seemed like it took forever. Uh-huh. And I know... And I don't know, I feel like the, the, the game's faster, too, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It does seem like it's a little bit faster. Because sometimes... At least, like, even the battle animations in Cold Steel 1 and 2 just seemed... It felt like it took a lot longer uh-huh. than than Sky um, or Crossbell. But uh, I know you have good things to say about the, the graphics. Oh, yeah. It's a lot better than I expected, actually. Um, it took me a while to get used to, like, the more detailed models mm-hmm. and how the mouth moves how their mouth moves right but yeah i like it there's a certain charm to it it's it I, one thing i really liked is how they made all of the characters look older um and more mature like a, a lot of times when i was playing cold steel one and two i didn't really notice the age of the character so much you're just like okay there's reen there's alisa there's you know whoever but like you can really see the age difference between Old class seven and new class seven. Yeah, and they kind of match their artwork a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. They match the, their artworks on like the three D models. Like you can tell on Coastal One and Coastal Two that you know they don't necessarily look the way they do in, um, in their artworks and like you know their character portraits. Mm-hmm. But now they they kind of look like similar. Like I mean. You know, look at Laura. She's even more beautiful in 3D. And I mean, you know, we've already seen her before, and she doesn't really change that much in Cold Steel 3, but man, her 3D model does her justice. Exactly. And and how do you feel about the new new Class 7 characters? Um, It took me a while to get used to them, and I'm still learning more about them because I'm still, you know, still pretty... Uh, what's the word? Well, we haven't finished the game yet. Yeah, we haven't finished the game yet, so we still don't have a lot of answers about some of them. Right. Well, most of them, but, I mean, at the point of the game where I am now, I like them. But 
I just wish there's more like I don't know fluff or like more scenes we see them hanging out just mm-hmm. like in Coastal One. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, so maybe we maybe there is, but we'll see. A lot of it, I think, is because like the main character is still Reen and he's no longer a student, so he can't just like hang out with the other kids. Oh, true. Like it. it yeah, true. Different dynamic, but. One thing that I really like about it is just because there's fewer characters, I feel like so far I've had a better introduction to them and I just like them better because yeah. old class seven, you had so many characters and some of them you don't know anything about pretty much through the entire first game until the next game. <laughs> yeah. Which is really weird because, you know, you would expect to know something about them. And it feels great now because, you know, we've had two games worth of uh, development. And, you know, when you when, when something's mentioned in Cold Steel 3 and you're like, oh, yeah, then, you know, Usus is going to be there for sure. And uh-huh. you you can look forward to that. And it's really cool that they have, like, really good networking with each other because they're all, like, connected and everything. But uh-huh. it, it feels like we're able to get interested in and close to the new class seven more quickly uh-huh. so who's your who's your favorite out of the new class seven so far oh man i can't choose between yuna and kurt um yuna because i have a crossbow bias <laughs> and kurt because i, I don't know I, I like his trope of like you know the smart guy but and i think i'm kind of you know liking altina more too as the game progresses. I didn't really have much of an opinion about her when she was introduced in Coastal 2, partly because she's an enemy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm starting to grow on her. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that she, you know, she is kind of lacking in understanding and emotions a bit, but she's interested in, like, improving upon herself with that, which I think was something I wasn't expecting. Uh-huh. But I do like, um, I don't know if I would say... It's tough for Yuna and, and Kurt for me, too, because Yuna, I like the Tonfas because she's, like, Lloyd Banning's junior, basically. Um, yeah. But, and, and I have a little bit of a crossbell bias, and pink is also, like, my favorite color. Uh, <laughs> but I do really like Kurt, and it's kind of odd for me to like the male characters as much, because I usually don't identify with the male characters as easily. Um, mm-hmm. But I like that he has two swords because I always whenever I played like Star Wars games I always had two lightsabers <laughs> have you picked out any music so- any songs that you've liked so far in uh, Cold Steel 3 okay speaking of Cold Steel 3 alone I really like the, the soundtrack of the field exercise day one in Crossbell because apparently it wasn't a crossbill remix of a music that's on zero or Aon no Kiseki. It's a, you know, it's a, it's an original song, but somehow it reminded me of, you know, zero and Ao's soundtrack, which is kind of cool because they gave you crossbill vibes without recycling stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like the, the composers were doing their job with that. Uh, yeah. I did really like, but I mean, I also like the normal battle. Theme. I really like the normal battle theme though. It's probably my second favorite one behind Get Over the Barrier on Zero No Kisegi. I'm such a sucker for battle music because, um, like, when you do when you are playing a game, you have to be able to hear the same song over and over and not get sick of it. And that's like a uh-huh. slightly a slightly more exciting 
piece of the, the battle music is slightly more exciting than just like the dungeon music. Uh, and yeah, for that, the, the dungeon music is kind of, kind of gets old for a second for, for the battle music. I really like the songs called step ahead. Oh, is that the, um, the boss fight? That's the one that plays when you're like fighting the enforcers. Uh-huh. That one is really good. And I had actually listened to the soundtrack before the game came out. Um, just like the week before. So I could be like, okay, this is the music I'm going to be listening to. Let's see if there's anything that really stands out. And only a couple of songs stood out, but they pair so well with the parts of the game that they show up in. Um, So I was really glad about that. And I think that that one was good. I like the, I think it's called sword of biting Gale, which is another battle like boss song. And then of course the remix of Hamel was really good. Oh yeah, man. The emotions. (laughs) I was, uh, I don't know if I can say it's my favorite part of the game anymore because the end of chapter three was insane, but Hamel is a really cool part to oh, see yeah, wild. Be- because SC is my favorite game in the trails franchise. And to be able to actually go to Hamel was pretty, pretty cool. I mean, maybe not cool. Maybe cool is a bad word because that's like terrible things happen <laughs> there, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But I guess we can both agree that Spiral Erebus is, you know, probably the best music I've heard oh, yeah. so far in Cold Steel 3. I, I've been told that when that song plays in the game, it's, like, exceptionally good. And I like that song anyway, because um, the, the the video that plays, it's just like... The intro? Yeah, it's just like a montage of character portraits, really. But it, it's, it's paired really well with that song. I want to um, mention this, a special mention. Because it's not really part of Cold Steel, uh, Cold Steel 3's soundtrack, but man, Unfathom Force never gets old. <laughs> it's a good one. Mm-hmm. I won't say why it's there, but yeah. So how did you feel about the pace of the story so far? Because when the game started, I was actually really struggling because it's it's really slow at the beginning as you show up to the school and... You get your class assignments or the students that are assigned to you. And that was just, I don't want to say it was like agonizingly slow because I've played enough Trails games. Uh I know the first game is always going to be a little bit slower, but it felt super slow. Uh Uh-huh. I actually like the gameplay loop this time around, but ironically, I don't like the school section in this game. Oh, that's weird. Which is weird because I really enjoyed the school section in Cold Steel 1. Yeah. I don't know, because I feel like because of the upgraded graphics, the cities outside of the school just has more life into it, I guess. Okay. It's more, like, detailed and, like, very nice look, very nice to look at, especially yeah. Ordis. So, like, when you're stuck at this, like, leaves, it's, I don't know, it's kind of boring. Even though you usually do the same thing that you do in Cold Seal 1 when you're, when Reen's at Well, it feels a little bit smaller than the Thor's main campus in Trista, which it is. Uh Like, it is supposed to be smaller. But um, something that I actually found that I liked was... uh, That was... was, uh, I don't know if it was the school used to be the Capua family's mansion. Yeah, I think it is. And, like, after their whole fiasco happened, it was turned into the school. 
And that made it a little bit more interesting to me, like to think that um, Don and Kyle and Josette were all hanging around there before. Uh-huh. It was also kind of weird. We just know that there are nobles that lost their land, but we didn't actually know that they owned the land in, you know, Erbonia's capital. Right. Which is weird. They're probably some sort of bigwigs when they were, you know, still around. Uh, I did like, eventually though, it, it actually doesn't take that long. It's probably around 10 hours, maybe, uh, that the story actually picks up and, and more exciting stuff starts happening, which is kind of weird to say, because 10 hours is really not that far into a Trails game, because they're usually so long. Um, especially the Cold Steel games are longer, but I really liked the pace after that. I liked the format of the, uh, what do you call it, the cycle? The gameplay loop. Yeah, the, the gameplay loop, that's it. Because, like, the first day of your field exercise, you know, there's bracer work and then a little bit of, of excitement. Like, you know, something's going to be coming. And then day two just, like, explodes. Yeah. I really like that, you know, that in the three days you're given us on, like, a field exercise, on day one you get to use um, new Class 7, and on the next day you get to use old Class 7. I like, I, like, I like the balance of it. Between the huge Coastal 3 cast. I think that the way they incorporated old Class 7 was perfect. Because you just get a couple uh-huh. at a time, and then they go away, so you can't get in that... Um, you can't get like in the rut of, oh, I'm just going to use Domination Laura every single time. Um, <laughs> yeah. You have to like rotate and stuff. And I have to say, like, I was a little bit disappointed at first with how some of the characters returned, because like Milliam just kind of shows up and um, uh-huh. who else just kind of showed Like, Elliot was playing his violin, but he just kind of shows up. Um, but after I mean, that, I guess it makes sense for Elliot to do, to use, I mean, to have that as an entrance because he's not really a fighter, you know? Right, that's true. Well, the eventually, like, after that, pretty much everyone has a really grand entrance. Um, you know, like, they come in swinging and everything, and he comes in... Uh-huh. He comes in healing, so that was kind of cool, actually. Like, standing on top of the the train. Man, um, it's still cool to see old Class 7, you know, be mature and, you know, have all these connections to the higher-ups. Oh, man, it's just... The glow-up is real. I, I know. love that. And, and I hope, like, obviously, we don't quite know what kind of pace uh, Falcom is going to set for the Trail series in the future, because as it's been, it hasn't really been much of a time jump. Like, SC happens right after FC, and the third was only, like, a ye- not even a year. It was, like, six months after or something. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, I, even this was only... Okay, but tell me this. The, um, the, what's, like, the time skip between FC and Cold Steel 3? Like, how many years is that? Is it four, five? Uh, I, think, I think it must be about four, because... Um, Light spoilers for Cold Steel 4. I think pretty much everyone knows that uh, Estelle and Joshua show back up. But they're supposed to be, like, 21, I think, in that game. Which would mean it was, like, five years after FC, because they're 16 in that one. Uh-huh. Okay. So still, that's, that's a lot of stuff that's happening in just five years. But yeah. if... You know, I don't know what they're going to do in the future if there will be more time jumps, but I think it would be interesting to see what 
everyone in class seven would be doing in 20 years, right? Like when, when they're more mature and further in their careers or positions of, of power in politics or something. Uh-huh. But who knows? We might get there. We might not. <laughs> so I definitely think the last thing we got to talk about with plot-wise about the game is uh, the end of chapter three. Because that was pretty nuts. <laughs> There's like... Oh, man. So many things were happening that, like, afterwards, I was, like, rem- trying to remember what happened. And I was I was forgetting huge things. Like, uh, the you have a student in your class who's the new Duke Cayenne. Right? Like, normally... Uh-huh. That's wild. Normally, that would be, like a giant reveal and that's like it was tiny compared to a whole bunch of other things that were happening uh-huh yeah and i mean i don't even remember what happened with the ash and green conversation that happened before that oh they're like where he was um he had like a spot piece of spy equipment or something he was talking to lecter yeah he was talking to lecter yeah i liked i did think it was funny he walked away and he flipped green off that was kind of funny yeah but man, you, I, I'm really confused about that whole scene. Both of those scenes, actually. Like, what's the deal with Yuzi? Why is she casting a spell on Reed? Like, what's going on? It didn't get answered at the end of the chapter either. No, I. But I mean, we just, we'll get there, I suppose. I, I hope we get there. Maybe we'll get there in Cold Steel Four. I don't know, but there was so much happening. Like, we you you fight Arian Road for the first time, and she confirms that she's actually. Leanne Sandlot. So now you're like, uh-huh. so we're fighting someone that's 275 years old. Like what? What is happening? <laughs> she doesn't look a day older. Yeah, she's looking pretty good for 275 years old. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that boss fight was so cool, man. I tried to do the um, my original strategy when you fight against her in Aonokiseku with dodge tanking with Tio, mm-hmm. and I mean, still works. Guys and Sarah, especially Sarah, because she can counter with a lot of you know distance. But yeah, how did you how did you do that fight? Um, Just curious though. So I I didn't have a ton of trouble, but that was only because so I was I just approached it kind of like normal, and I was trying to give my team like buffs and stuff, and I realized that like two of the Stallrider and Arian Road were all like charging arts or something and it was all gonna like hit me within the same turns and so i was like oh shoot i need to like get a brave order out there and then i realized that milliam's brave order cuts the damage by 90 percent, and so i was like all right i'm gonna use that and then i just realized that (laughs) you basically can't die as long as you keep healing yourself they can just keep raining hits in on you so i just kept spamming that brave order yeah that's actually what i did too I rely on Ebonquest so much, but that this time I was like, well, let's just do Milliam's Brave Order, and if it hits, whatever, they can just counter. So yeah, but oh man, I can't believe, okay, big spoilers for Chapter 3 ending, by the way, but we've already talked about the big stuff in Chapter 3, so um, I can't believe I was right about Aryan Road. A while back, mm-hmm. Josh had two big predictions. One was that Arian Road was actually Leon Sandlot, and the other was that Chancellor Osborne is actually Dreykels. Now, we don't know about that other one yet, 
but uh-huh. I thought both of those were long shots. And then here you are, like, being vindicated. Um, I don't know if it has been mentioned in Cold Seal 2. I'm pretty sure it is, or maybe in Cold Seal 1. But um, it's been established, I think, that there's a Divine Knight in um, Lohengrin Castle, or at least there used to be, because there's, like, a door. Mm-hmm. Just as the same door on eh, the old schoolhouse. So, I don't know. I think I kind of made a connection on why Aryan Road was there when Reen and the others were doing a, uh, what do you call it, a field study in Lohengrin Castle. Right. And then a missing divine night in Lohengrin Castle. So, you know, I think I kind of made a connection in there. But I remember you saying your theory about vampires or... Is it you that said that thinks that Dracos is a oh Dracos? <laughs> what did you say, Osborne? Osborne is a vampire? No, no. I mean, I didn't say that. Someone else might have said that. Uh, um, all I thought okay. was after after I read Red Moon Rose, I was like, all right, there's way too much stuff about vampires in this. Like, there's going to be vampires in Cold Steel Three, and and you're right. Apparently, I'm right. Um, there's just there's so many things that happen in Chapter Three. Like, it's, it's such... You said that you're like, I'm not even going to be able to get to sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Um, should we talk about the huge bomb in Chapter 3 yet? Or what? Well, which one? Okay, oh, oh no, okay. <laughs> we'll, save, we'll save that for the end, because that's what happens at the end. Um, I'm actually okay. interested in what happens to... Or the, the backstory of some of the Stallritter, because... Like, you know Duvali from, from Cold Steel 2, and obviously you fight the three of them in, in Ao, but they don't really, you don't know who they are. They just kind of are there. Yeah, they don't even have a portrait. Right, they don't even have Ow. a portrait. Like, they have names, but they don't have, and in fact, actually, I, I recognized Duvali in Ao no Kiseki because I just recognized the name. I'm like, oh wait, this is a character in Cold Steel 2. Um, but other than that, you don't know anything about them. And you find out that one of them was a former bracer at the end of chapter three. And then you find out the other one had, she was like a child that was involved with a cult. So I'm thinking the same thing as like, yeah. Tio. so is she the somehow, cult. right? Yeah. Is she some, is that the cult that they're referring to? Or is there another one? I assume it must be since that's the only cult we know of so far. And then on top of that, you've got Duvali who is now like what seems like for the first time doubting her Lord, which seems really weird. Um, and uh, what, after that, Aaron Road is talking to Rose. Is it Rose or Roselia? I think I think she um, called her Rose. Okay, maybe that was a short term. I feel like I remember seeing Roselia somewhere. I don't know. That's um, that's also a Pokemon, isn't it? Maybe I'm just stuck on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, there's just and and then that's not even the biggest one. I'll let you talk about that since that's a little bit more. Uh, on the characters that you like. Okay. Oh man. Um, I I really wasn't expecting, you know, that at all about how the end of chapter three went. But let's um, say this: we didn't we didn't see his face, whatever his real name is. I don't care. But I just know after Wiseman, never to trust a quirky professor ever again. <laughs> That's true. Like, you, you see him, and he's, like, clearly not just your average professor somewhere. It's clear that he's going to come back at some point, but you don't really know what. And then, of all places to show up, he shows up in the graveyard. 
Oh man, that scene, you know, gives gives me the chills. I mean, it was so well done, and I was so like I was nervous watching that. <laughs> Dude, me too. Oh man, like like you know, Angelica trying to dig up a grave. Oh my god, what is going on? I know. And then George shooting Angelica. Oh my god, like I like <laughs> as you can tell, I'm still speechless. Like I really wasn't expecting George to you know do that or like betray Angelica. Like what is the deal with Falco? Like splitting splitting the group up. Like you know what's the deal? It was so well done, and I. Uh, Angelica isn't really one of my favorite characters. Uh, she's pretty far down the list, but I was, that scene had me, I was like feeling some anxiety and, uh, I think, so George said, I can't remember what he says, but he says something and it just says like young man's voice. Right. But I was trying to, I was trying to think of whose voice that was before I like, hit X to get to the next line of dialogue. And as the cameras, uh-huh. the cameras like swing around, you start to see the clothes and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's George. And then you find out that he's like working with the gnomes or maybe he is a gnome. And then you look at his freaking name and you're like, Oh, I'm an idiot. It was there the whole time. <laughs> right. Oh man. I really thought it was just a pun for genome. Like, you know, he's, he's an engineer for crying out loud. Yeah, that was that was a thing. That was a phenomenal end to that chapter. I remember I just I saved right out because I think the the blank screen where you can do like save and proceed is right after that. And I was like, I don't think I can take anything more. Oh, and you know shit's going to go down when you get a notification on the PlayStation when it says gameplay recording has been blocked because of this scene or whatever like oh no something's going to happen i just know it is that normal because i have not seen that in stuff that i've played before oh maybe in, on story heavy rpgs it's pretty normal like i know they block and you can't even stream persona 5 what yeah you can't stream it they block you from like recording gameplay footage and like scenes so oh you gosh. can't stream it and stream it using the you know, the PlayStation itself, but yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's as far as we've gotten. It's the end of Chapter 3. Um, well, I'm, I'm into Chapter 4, and I'm not sure how much you've played. I haven't played anything past that chapter yet. Okay. Well, I mean, nothing big has happened in what I've done so far. I'm still on the first day of the next field exercise. Oh, tell me, tell me your thoughts about Crow actually not dead. Like, not really dead. So the first question I have is how. Mm-hmm, exactly. Because, like, that is, that's definitely, like, a trope, right? Like, people just don't die. People always come back to life. Like, that's that's, that's the thing. Well, that... technically, Crow didn't die or isn't dead, but I, I have, I figured it's some sort of gnome shenanigans or right. whatever. It has to be. And to be honest, when the gnomes are first mentioned in Cold Steel, I remember thinking gnomes what where'd this come from and then like they just kind of pass over it like it's supposed to be something oh yeah the gnomes built the spirit shrines but they're gone and you just are supposed to kind of accept yeah actually i think we all um had an image of what the gnomes look like when they got mentioned in cold seal 2 but we all we all probably think it's like real gnomes like no not actually real gnomes like you know 
the stereotypical gnome we see on like TV and stuff. Yeah, the uh, the garden gnome. Yeah, but you know they're actual people. You know, normal sized people. I mean, I I want to know if there's anything different about them. I mean, George is a little pudgy. Yeah, but other than that, he looks. I have to guess. If I have to guess what the gnomes actually are, I really think, I mean, I think it's been established that the gnomes are the black workshop, so I think they're, like, highly skilled engineers mm-hmm. or something, which kind of rivals the Hexen clan, but I think they do rival the Hexen clan in a way. Yeah. I think they said that before, too. That's what it looks like. So, all of that we've talked about so far is just the stuff that was uh, all from Falcom, and just in the game, the, the plot and the characters and the gameplay and stuff, but, uh, We've been able to play this game because NIS America was the localization company for us that need to have a game in English. And I just got to ask you how you feel about the localization effort so far. Oh, I think it's sorry. Um, I think it's pretty good. It's um, leagues better than um, the original East Eight station, and there's some minor like typos here and there, and. Some of the items I noticed doesn't do what it says. Oh, really? Like, like there's a quartz that says it's pretty much the second stage of the Golden Bell. I don't even scroll because I haven't used it yet. It says that um, this delay of Earth arts, but it, it actually has the delay of space arts. Oh, yeah, I guess it would make sense if it was the Golden Bell one. Yeah, and there's also an item I don't re- I don't remember what it's called, but it um, actually restores CP and not EP as opposed to what it says on the description. And I know you mentioned that you saw two Lemon states on the library. Yeah, th- someone pointed that out on Reddit as well. Um, but that's probably that's just Lemon state and Liberal because um, they're both L's and they were basically next to each other, or like one was between them or something. Um, but typos and stuff, that's going to happen in just about any form of media, especially with, you know, everything being on computers and everything. Um, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't think that the translation felt any different than the Cold Steel 1 and 2 or the Sky Trilogy. I think that it all flowed Uh really well. And, uh, there was a little bit, there's a little bit change in tone because the characters are older. Uh, there was a little bit more swearing, but that's just fits the characters that swear, um, uh-huh. like Agate and and Ash, uh, and Angie. I think Angie does a couple of times, maybe. Um, but that uh-huh. just it, it fits the characters and, and it it feels right in the the scenes that it's in. So that's all fine, I think. Yeah, um, and the correct characterization of the returning characters or like the older characters, like I mean, the transition. You really can't feel, you know, that there's a huge change in, like, their characterization or, you know, how they talk because it really still feels natural. Like, if you play Coastal 1 and 2 and 3 straight, mm-hmm. you're you're going to barely notice a thing that's changed. Right, yeah. And, and even going back to, like, Sky characters, when Agate comes back, it feels exactly like how Agate would talk and act. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. It's translated, I think it's translated really well. And to be honest, I know that there uh-huh. was there were some people on the internet that like to overreact about things. Uh, and when NIS America first 
announced back in January that they're going to be lo- localizing um, Cold Steel 3. I think a lot of people were nervous. And I, do, I was not nervous at all because, you know, they know what they're getting themselves into uh, localizing such a large script. And they brought in all the people that helped make previous titles uh, work in English. And uh-huh. so uh-huh. they they really did the homework to get the the right team together. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I I won't be too nervous about it coming into Cold Steel Four when they announce it eventually. I'm Hopefully. actually pretty excited. Yeah. So okay. yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Now tell me tell me a little bit because you you follow a little bit more of the like the PlayStation news and videos and stuff and. How do you think that uh-huh. the game was marketed versus maybe some of the older Trails games? Um, okay, well, to be fair, I didn't follow like the marketing or whatever and stuff like that when Trails was still ongoing on Cold Steel 1 and Cold Steel 2, but mm-hmm. I did, since I have never heard of the series before, it was kind of like under the radar for me. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people would, that would say that the old games weren't marketed as heavy as Cold Steel 3. Okay. But, I mean, NAS America went above and beyond marketing Cold Steel 3. Like, there's, like, what, um, the macaroons thing? Oh, uh, yeah, that California. was so cool. I wish I could have gone there. That would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, this uh, fun panel on the voice actors. I don't remember where that was. Um, I think that was Anime Expo? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, there's like an article about Cold Steel 3 on the PlayStation blog, a few videos on the PlayStation channel, and like, I mean, there's like a huge amount of streamers that streamed this game when the game came out. So like, there's a lot of buzz that went during release week. So I'm expecting a lot of sales on Cold Steel 3. More sales means more, you know, more fans, and more fans means more, you know, earlier release dates for future games. So I'm all for that. Yeah, to, to be honest, I mean, I know I've said in previous episodes that I was not really an RPG fan until re- relatively recently. Um, so if I did ever see an ad in 2011 when Trails in the Sky first came out on PSP in English, then I would have not paid any attention to it um, because I wasn't into RPGs at the time. But I do okay. not remember ever hearing about any Trails game until I specifically started looking for PSP RPG games. And even then, the only way that I found it was looking up, like, someone on YouTube who was talking about, like, hidden gems. So it wasn't even, like, get this well-selling game. It was, like, people trying to say to play this game that no one's heard of. And I was seeing ads for Cold Steel 3 just like in the wild for, for lack of a better phrase. And so I think it was a really good effort that things were, that got out there and people actually could hear about it. And even if I might say uh, as a fan, starting your trails journey with cold steel three is probably not the best idea from like a, a plot and lore standpoint. Um, If it gets someone interested in trails, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, if we are, you know, I don't want to sound like an elitist or anything, but I mean, you're going to appreciate Cold Steel 3 more if you played older games, but 
you can definitely start with Cold Steel 3. I mean, they do a good job of, like, you know, catching you up on lore and stuff, and, you know, the old stories of previous games, because I really feel like they wrote Yuna as a character that you're supposed to relate to, because she doesn't know what the events are or who these characters are in Erebonia. So you get, like, so you see... Yuna, as your perspective as a newer character, as a newer player, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can fill in a lot of gaps with the books that are in the library, and I'm not sure how likely someone who's just picking up the game is going to be to like, oh, the Orbal Revolution, and just start reading all of these books because it's a little bit. It's it's easier to pick it up organically as you go through like Trails in the Sky FC or Cold Steel One, but. Mm-hmm. And you would lose a lot of the references, or a lot of the references would be lost on you. Yeah, but like for example, you know, the Hamel on Chapter 1. If you didn't play Sky, you wouldn't know what why that's a big deal, right. I think. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't. You I wouldn't. mean, you kind of get it because Agate explains it to you, but there's like, the emotional attachment to it. Wouldn't you be know, there. It just makes you appreciate the scene more. Yeah, and the number of times that they mention Estelle and Joshua, it's a lot. It's actually a lot of times that they mention them. And every time they do, yeah. I just get excited because, like, Estelle's my favorite character. But you don't. I know that we're not going to see them in Cold Steel 3. So. so the final thing that we want to talk about is some of the merch that we could get through the NISA store online. Uh, I got the Collector's Edition uh, version of the game and I got some other merch as well. So the stuff that comes in the collector's edition is really cool. You get these postcards from, I think five of the different cities that you visit and oh, neat. yeah, they're really nice. You get like, and it, it looks like, um, like travel postcards where it's like, wish you were here in Parm or, um, I don't have them with me right now or I would read them. Um, but you know, like, Come visit Raquel. Uh, and they just look like a real postcard that you would buy if you had gone to that city. And they're actually really big because I feel like most postcards are like four by six inches. And these are like at least five by seven. So they're really big, um, which is cool. Uh-huh. And I know the big, you won't even use that. You're just going to display the hell out of it, oh, which no. is what I would do too anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't want to send that to someone in the mail like, it kind of sucks because it's a postcard and like you're supposed to send those, but I don't want to get it messed up. Um, the the soundtrack was really good, and I've been listening to that. That came in the special edition, and actually, if you get the early edition, I think like a five song soundtrack comes with that uh-huh. as well. Um, uh-huh. And let's see what else was there. Was like a a Thor's. I think it's supposed to be like the Thor's um, student handbook. And it's actually really thick, and it has like a, a vinyl, I think it's a faux leather um, cover on it, which it feels really like substantial, and it's, it's really nice. It's got like art for the characters and stuff in there. Um, oh, it's an art book. Oh my gosh, I thought it was actually a replica of the student handbook. Well, it's, it's really small too, so it's like the same size as the student handbook is in the game. Uh-huh. So and and it's designed to look like like it's blue and it has the the horn lion on it and stuff. Um, uh-huh. And then the other thing you get in the collector's edition is a little stuffed uh, Mishi plush, which is really cool. And it's it's not oh, man. it's not like it's not super cheap. It's actually like 
pretty hefty feeling to it. It's got some weight and it's, you can tell it's not going to like rip. So it's, it's really nice. Um, and it, you can tell they put a lot of effort and care into making the, the collector's edition really cool, which is nice because like, if I want to get the collector's edition, it's not because I'm going to resell it at some point. Like it's because I want to have cool stuff for a game I really like. Um, is the does the collector edition have a steel book? Oh yes, yeah. It also comes with a steel book. Uh, I forgot to say that. Nice. Um, and the the steel book the steel book's really nice too. And it has like a small um, or maybe the, just the regular game comes with a very small manual, which is nice to have because that like doesn't happen anymore. Uh, uh-huh. I'm like a sucker for stuff like that. Like it used to be, you get a game and you'd have like a forty page manual that you'd read through, and it'd have like stuff about characters and levels and all that stuff. And now like you don't even get anything in most games. So it was nice. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, like I used to read those instruction manuals when I was bored. Exactly. And you can't even do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, So I did get some of the other merch that you can get on the site too. Um, Oh really? What what else? I got, there's a Thor's. um, Let's see. I'm wearing it right now. It's the Thor's Military Academy oh. hoodie. Um, oh, yeah. It looks cool. So it has, like, the the horn lion and the crest and stuff on it. And it's, um, it's like, a heavy blend material, so it's really thick and heavy. It's not, like, it's not thin, so it's super warm, and it actually feels like I'm not afraid to, like, put a hole in it or something. Yeah. Uh, so I really like it. It's, like, my go-to hoodie right now. I also got the crest, the like the Thor's branch campus crest pin. And I saw a lot of people saying that they didn't know how big it was going to be. And it came and it was huge. The description on the site did tell you how big it is. And so I knew when I got it, it was going to be huge. Cause it's like, it's like four inches tall or something like that's really big. Um, it's like way bigger than like the bracer pin that came with, uh, is it the bracer or the Erebonia pin that came with the um, cold steel one or two or whichever. Or the PS4. Yeah. Well, if you got, you could get it too with the, um, like the PSP edition of Trails in the Sky FC had a, a little bracer pin, and the Vita and PS3 version of Cold Steel One had a Erebonian pin. It's it's a lot bigger than those, so it's like something you could put like on a backpack. And the other thing I got was the Mishi, um, blanket. So it's a fleece blanket. Oh, oh man. And, oh, I, I'm really grown to like Mishi, you know? Oh, yeah. I always thought it was kind of funny because, like, there's no Mishi at all in um, Trails in the Sky, right? Like, I don't think it shows he shows up at all because it was created uh-huh. for Crossbow. And I just thought it was funny. It was everywhere. And I saw the fleece and I was or the fleece blanket and I thought, mm, I should get that. And I did. And it's actually, it's like, a, I have a Pokemon fleece blanket as well. And it's, like, really thin. And, like, it'll keep you warm, but it's just, like, thin and kind of cheap. Uh-huh. But the Mishy one is thick. Like, it, it'll keep you warm, and I'm not afraid of getting it snagged on something because it's it's really tough. I don't know if I would say tough, uh-huh. but... Um, so, yeah, that it's... And it's got Mishy on it, and it's actually pretty big. So, I like it. Nice. Are you going to get any merch? Or oh, I wish. I mean, I hope to. Well... I'm going to Japan in January, so <laughs> maybe. It's really hard to find, you know, merch outside Tokyo or outside Tachikawa, for that matter. So, yeah. But I actually got 
something like a falcon where it's just like an acrylic standee of green Coastal 3 green and then Ado and Donna from Eats 8. Mm-hmm. So, so far, that's my only Falcon merch and the mini, mini Malkias keychain that I got when I went to Tokyo last year. I mean, this year. So, yeah, but I don't actually know if NIS America ships um, outside the US, but if they do, if I have the money, I'd certainly buy a Thor's hoodie. The Thor's hoodie is really cool, actually. Um, that was one, that was one of the things that I saw first and I was like, that is what I want. I want that Thor's hoodie. I don't want the shirt with green on it, to be honest. I mean, I don't have any qualms wearing a t-shirt with an anime guy on it. Would you I get- used to wear a t-shirt with the word boner on it at school, and I went to a Catholic <laughs> school, so... How did you get in the door? What? How did you get in the door? How did they not make you change that? Oh, I, I don't know. They don't care. Would you wear the... I, one of the other shirts they had for sale was the Yuna shirt. Would you wear that? Maybe. It's different when it's an anime girl. I mean, I don't have a problem wearing t-shirts with anime guys on it, but I feel like it's a different story when it's an anime girl on it. I don't know. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Well, that pretty much wraps up everything we wanted to say about our little, uh, Cold Steel 3 update. Uh, we still have to finish the game before we really get a full uh, idea of the whole plot and everything. Yeah, and hopefully we'll be back or we'll finish it in time when we get to talk about Cold Steel 3. I mean, so far we're... I don't even know if we're mid-game already or uh, the last half of the game. I feel like we have to be past, past halfway. I feel like it mm-hmm. has to be past halfway. I don't know that for sure. Um, I'll have to look up like how long to beat.com. But uh, yeah, hopefully, I mean, like, if NISA wants to localize Cold Steel 4, I'm only going to be excited about it. 